Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is the Unplayable Podcast. Sam Ferris here. And on today's episode, we review Australia's men's T20 tour of New Zealand, as well as the Marsh Sheffield Shield season so far. Here to do that is a guy who claims to have watched every single ball of the domestic cricket season, which, to be fair, is quite a feat when there are three matches played simultaneously at times. That's cricket.com.au journalist Lewis Cameron. Welcome, Lou. Thanks, Sam. I'm not sure if I do claim that. I have got um, both Sheffield Shield streams. It's uh, it's Tuesday. What is it? Tuesday afternoon. So we've yep. still got um, a couple of games going on, and I do have both of them here in front of me, um, as well as your lovely face, mate. So, um, so I'm looking forward to chatting about it. Let me just switch that video off. Uh, yes, we are recording on Tuesday <laughs> as the uh, the games at the Gabba and Adelaide Oval uh, are actually going down to the wire. I thought they were petering out to some draws, but. Uh, a collapse by the WA team and then uh, David Warner pushing New South Wales to victory might have changed those outcomes. But uh, we'll touch on that in a little bit, uh, Lou. Let's start off with our uh, review of the New Zealand-Australia T20 series over there. Uh, in New Zealand, 3-2 to the hosts. They got out to a 2-0 lead. Straight clawed back off the back of Aaron Finch's bat and then they lost the decider handsomely to Kane Williamson's side. Um Lots to unpack there. Well, let's, I think we just go over the five things that we learned. Martin Smith, uh, great journalist for cricket.com.au, cobbled together five things that we learned and uh, really summed up this series pretty well. Starting with the captain, uh, George Butler, the selector, said, yep, he's going to be the skipper at the World Cup. This was before he he made those uh, three scores in a row to the end of the series. He hadn't scored, I think it was averaging 13. His past innings had an awful BBL, pretty bad IPL before that. Uh, couldn't hit it off the square, but the selectors backed him in and uh, had a 50-50 call his go go his way in the third match in Wellington. Went on to make 79, uh, not out, and uh, Australia won that game, made 69 the following game, and Aaron Finch was back to his best. So we know he's going to be there by the looks of it, and it's a really good thing too because Australia need Aaron Finch at his best and his leadership if they're going to win their first T20 World Cup. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it felt inevitable to me and probably to a lot of other people that he was going to make runs at some point. Uh, having said that, it was a very long drought. I yeah. mean, it kind of stretching right back to the IPL that got played in kind of September, October last year. Like he, he got dropped during that and didn't have a half century during during that or he might have had one early and, you know, he really kind of struggled. So um, it, it's, it must have been tough for him because he's, you know, he's captaining the, the Big Bash team. He's been in bubbles since... Or, or had been bubbles since August. Um, so it, it's not easy um, what he had to go through, but, you know, he, he kind of showed his class by coming out the other side. And um, I, I don't think there's any doubt now that he'll he'll captain the Aussies at the World Cup. Um, so it's, yeah, more than anything, if, if we got nothing else out of that series, it was it was just a, um, you know, a, a confidence booster for, for Aaron Finch. 
got my scores around there the wrong way. He uh, 69 in game three, 79 not out where he took 26 off Kyle Jamison's last over of the innings. Uh, yeah, great to see him there and important because he is kind of the, uh, well, he's Australia's leading T20 run scorer in men's T20s. Uh, he's the holder of the two highest individual men's T20 scores. We know he can play. Just interesting to see if he can get through the year and then be in the same or even better form come India where he hasn't quite done as well as he has other parts of the world. Yep, yep, but he does have good form in, in World Cups. He was pretty good at the 2015 World Cup. Um, a while ago, he he didn't make the team for the, the one the, the following year, although maybe we can um, write that one off given he didn't, it wasn't called the World Cup at that point, the, the 2016 World T20 that's, you know, now they're all World Cups. So. And he was the number one batter in the world at the time. Usman Khawaja yeah. kept him out of there. He played the last two games, but uh, yeah, it was Wolsey was in such great form, they just uh, couldn't find a spot for Aaron. Seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? Four years ago, that was the last World T20 or last World Five Cup. Years Five years ago. Five years ago, that's a good point. Yeah, it's, um, see, time's flown. Time's flown. And Peter Neville was the was the wicket. That's the bit that always gets me is that yeah. um, he was kind of brought in from nowhere. And yeah, um, but but yeah, look, I think Finch, Finch will be fine. Um, and it's good to see him, you know, back scoring runs. Peter Neville is a perfect segue into the second round, <laughs> which is the the race to be the World Cup keeper is wide open. As you said, Pete Neville, I think he hit his last two balls in that World, World T20 for four and a six, 10 off two balls against injury in that uh, game of Mahali. But since then, they've been through a number of keepers, Peter Hanscom, Matty Wade is the incumbent right now, Alex Carey, Josh Philippi played the five matches over in New Zealand. He's a gloveman for the Sydney Sixers. Who's it going to be, Lou? Who do you think the Australian selectors are going to go for? Because there are some big names that come back into that top six, which is going to make picking the keeper and where they bat pretty interesting. I've got absolutely no idea, Sam. It probably makes it the most interesting part of the Aussie lineup to kind of kind of speculate about. I guess you'd, you'd probably say the front runners, Alex Carey, only because... I mean, you could probably throw a blanket over him, Wade and Felipe in terms of maybe their, their runs output and um, and things like that in T20 cricket. They've all been good. But I think the one thing Carey has shown in probably one-day cricket more so that he's really good um, down the order. And yeah. I think I think just that's going to be have, that's going to have to be where the keeper bats if we presume Warner's coming back into the bat number one with Finch and then Smith is probably coming into bat three or four um, in that team, the keeper's not going to be batting higher than five or six. So mm. um, Carey's probably the, the man in that regard. But, you know, Felipe showed some really good signs on this on this series. Um, I think Smith himself has been, I remember him saying that Felipe, he thinks Felipe can be a really good number six for Australia. Um, and it's something he did at the start of his, his big bash career. So, uh, and then Matty Wade's done it a, a lot. Um, as well in, in one day cricket and um, so yeah but I mean that one that one really is wide open yeah absolutely and the thing is uh, if it does bat down the order that is the keeper uh, we saw Ashton Ago get promoted ahead of Mitch Marsh on that tour because they want to keep that right hand left hand combination going depending on the ground size and who are the, who are the bowlers in this case New Zealand had uh, two spinners spinning the ball into left hand they wanted to have that option there uh, if the keeper is left handed whether it be Wade or Carey provides that option down the bottom. I think you've got to bat them down the order too because you can't really split up Warner, Finch and Smith in the top three. And that's probably going to be Glenn Maxwell at number four, right? So it's pretty star-studded top four. And that, that's where they probably got a little bit too funky in the 2016 World Cup, batting Warner at, 
at number four just so I can get all those um, in-form mm. openers or top-order players in there. So it's going to be interesting. There's not, again, there's not a whole lot of, not a whole lot of cricket to really gauge the form of these players and give them a test run if they want to chop and change. That that New Zealand tool was supposed to be kind of like a fact-finding mission, but they only used 12 players. The only player that changes Daniel Sams out for the debutant Riley Meredith, which um, and he bowled really well. So I thought maybe they might have used way down the order. They might have put Felipe up the order. They batted the open innings in the last game, but where they finally got a tour to the West Indies and then one to Bangladesh to try and nut out this 11. It's going to be uh, fascinating. Yeah, I mean it's it's that five six seven which has kind of perennially been the perennially been the issue for, for the Aussies in T Twenty cricket. I think Stoinis looks like he's kind of um, edging for a spot, um, and and he seems to be adapting better to, to batting down the order than what he had in the past. Um, and Mitch Marsh, I think maybe just gives him uh, the kind of guy who can who can hit it from ball one, but. Um, yeah, the number six spot and number five and six spot, I think, is where they've really struggled. So, um, yeah, I reckon those those spots are wide open, and it'll be really interesting to see um, how the Aussies configure it because it, it does seem like the you know from seven onwards that they're the bowlers, and I think Langer's philosophy that worked probably worked quite well at the Scorchers as well was you play your best five bowlers in T Twenty cricket, and it doesn't matter heaps about whether you're number seven and eight uh, great batters because you, you know, you, you probably think they're not going to um, face too many balls. So um, that's kind of the makeup of the team that we're yeah. all expecting. Yeah. And the number seven is Ashton Agar, who's in the top 10 T20 bowls in the world, men's T20 bowls in the world, as is Adam Zampa, the spin twins. And they really are a big reason why Australia went to number one in the rankings. They've just slipped behind now. Uh, but those two guys in tandem, they're bowling power playovers over there in New Zealand. Super effective. Ashtonaga took six for 30. Best mm. figures by a men's player in uh, T20 cricket for Australia. He's got two five-wicket hauls now in the space of a year. I guess he got one in South Africa and then went over there in New Zealand. Uh, he's been fantastic, as, as has Adam Zampa, and he spoke on last week's episode. In fact, we had him on uh, uh, the both the, the past two weeks, Zampa and Agar, and they seem really comfortable in their own skin, really confident in their position, the team. And I think if you've got that backing from the selectors, you go in the games um, with a little bit less on your shoulders. You can sort of express yourself and not worry about playing for your spot for the next game. So those two guys are crucial in this 11 and going to be even more important when they're playing in India. Yeah, and 100%. And, and Ashton, as you touched on, the Ashton's batting, I think, is important um, in terms of him kind of sliding into to number seven and, and also him being able to hit a good strike rate from ball one is is pretty important going to India um, I think that you've got to have that left arm, a left arm finger spinner in India for T20 cricket. Um, well, for all, all formats of cricket, mm-hmm. probably helps. We've seen what Axel Patel's been able to do um, against England recently, but um, I think that'll be really important. And and Zampa's a kind of spinner. I think can really do well on in Indian pitches. It'll be interesting if they want to take another spinner to India for that tournament. You know, if you you turn up on a wicket that really is ragging whether you know who, who that might be i know they took tanvir sanger to um to new zealand um he he's, i imagine uh, i think from the limited you know we've kind of seen of him he seems like a, a similar-ish type bowler to, to zampa albeit maybe one that is a little slower and, and maybe spins the ball can spin that his leg spinner a little bit more um swepson swepson's a man swepson yeah, yeah. and and he's gone gone okay and he's his t20 game so far but probably yeah. just hasn't had the, the volume of international cricket yet to 
Um, but yeah, so he's yeah he's a candidate. I meant Farward maybe it might not quite be at where he was a couple of seasons ago, uh, but he's probably your, your slower kind of more traditional leg spinner yeah. option. Um, they're probably the the three they'd look at. Are there any right arm finger spinners? I mean, Nathan Lyon, he's the other one. Yeah. <laughs> See, how could I forget him? Yeah, yeah. he's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, He's taken a few international wickets. Yeah, yeah. I, he, he'd be the other one, isn't it? And he's, he's keen, I reckon. Yep, yep. He, start, I mean, he basically made his name in T20 cricket and now he barely gets a run uh, for Australia in that format. So, yeah, not sure. I think that's the way they'll go, though. And oh, my question is the wickets over there, uh, how will they be in October and November? And T20 cricket really is about the batters and in these tournaments, they normally flatten out the pitches. Like I'm, I'm predicting a lot of 200 v 200 scores here and some small grounds. Uh, if they're playing at places like M. Chinnaswamy in Bangalore, I mean, mm. ICB play there and that just rains sixes there. So uh, depending on... I do on recall during the last World Cup, sorry to interrupt you there, Sam, but during that last World Cup, um, uh, I remember Australia played on a really, really... Uh, turning wickets in, I can't. You, you were there, so you could yeah. probably remember. It was against New Zealand, I reckon. It was. It might have been a one thirty, and someone chased it. You know, seven that was down a, or something. That was in Damasala, was in the opening game. In fact, yeah, Agar right. played that game, and Gupta hit him for three sixes in the first over. Uh, mm. Yeah, that was low, and there, and there was a as Australia, New Zealand, India in the same pool, and New Zealand upset. Mm-hmm. Uh, India on a, on a spinning wicket, but from there on, it didn't really spin much. So, yeah, uh, I think I think what's shown, even in that uh, test series in in this, and India recently between England and India, you just play two spinners in India, regardless. Yeah. Of, you just got to, you just got to do it. Um, and Australia, fortunate they're doing that all around the world, whether it be England, India, South Africa, they're playing that, and you've got Glenn Maxwell there as well. So there's three spinning overs, there's twelve twelve overs yeah. of spin uh, right there. Maybe maybe the other factor there is I don't know if they if there's not going to be they don't want to travel too much. I know the IPL I think they're only playing it for maybe five venues yep. um, for, throughout the whole tournament. If we're still a little bit worried about travel uh, in October, it seems like a long way off. But um, potentially we're playing lots of games at the same venues, and then they're going to spin even more towards the the back end. That could be a, a factor. Yep. Yep, for sure. Uh, well, the spinners look pretty much set. Agar and Zebra, that third seam bowling spot is probably up for grabs, you'd have to say. I'm thinking uh, Stark and Cummins, they're pretty much your locks in your side. So good with the the white ball and T20 cricket. And you've got Zampa and Agar. Who's the, th- who's the third seamer, Lou? We've seen a couple of people use. Kane Richardson, Josh Hazelwood, uh, Riley Meredith played. You've got Daniel Sams, who's an all-round option as well. Jai Richardson, uh, there's plenty of options. And, and, you know, there's guys on that tour that didn't play. Jason Berendorf, Andrew Ty, to name a few. Who do, who gets that third spot? Yeah, I think this is probably early on, you know, this looks like the hardest one to, to kind of pick. I think the other ones, you, you kind of know who the contenders are and, and they'll probably be around the mark when they pick the squad, but... Uh, this one, like Riley Meredith really impressed me. Just that first game he played, just no nerves straight away. He was bowling to Martin Guptill and he got hit for six, I think, third or fourth ball. Um, and, you know, it didn't phase him. Like he got Seaford out, I think, later that over. Um, and then he got Kane Williamson out, you know, the over after that. And he was just, he was bowling 150 clicks straight away. I reckon that's such a good sign yeah. um, for someone in their first game. You, you know, you'd forgive a bit of nerves, but there was just none of that. And he just, he probably offers something that none of these guys, I mean, Stark and Cummins, we know can can crank it up. But have mm. we seen them 
crank it up to that degree to 150 k's an hour like that's that's real pace um at risk of sounding like um mark nicholas there real pace well um, it's a good point because <laughs> because we know that stark can get that fast but he has had to manage his body across mm-hmm. all different formats where emeritus really a white ball player at the moment and he can just run in and bowl as fast as he wants for four overs. Uh, you're right, super impressive. Gets Kane Williams out. He bowled three balls at him, got him out twice. So, yeah, uh, yeah he's very exciting. Fast bowler. I, I kind of think you need a, a slower kind of bowler because if you've got two quick guys in Cummins and Stark, they can go the journey pretty quickly. So someone like a, a Sam's or a Kane Richardson who have all those change-ups and if the wickets are ragging and if they are slow and inconsistent – they've got those balls that stick into the wicket and can be really difficult to hit. I agree 100%. And I think, I mean, I'd imagine those, probably him, so Kane Richardson, uh, Daniel Sands, and you'd think Ty are probably all fighting for one spot. If you think that they'd probably take four fast bowlers and if Stark and Cummins are locks, you'd probably Mm -hmm. say, yeah, you know, maybe Meredith and Jai Richardson and maybe Josh Hazelwood are kind of battling for one spot and then maybe it's Ty, Sams and Kane Richardson for the other one. That that could be how it kind of plays out. Um, Hazelwood's probably an X factor in, in all of this. Like, he, you know, just yeah. the, the volume of T20 cricket hasn't been there recently and um, they overlooked him for the last ODI World Cup in 2019. Um, so, you know, he'd be super keen to go. Um, no, that's these, this is a really hard one I think yeah yeah. I can imagine that's going to change too I I, I think depending on the pitch and how the, the team's performing that position in particular will will change yeah. uh, throughout the World Cup but again that's that's October isn't it and uh, India just, as we and, know. and just on that Sam as well like the, the batting element of it it's pretty big too right like Sam, absolutely Sam's better beautifully in that um, that second, uh, second T20 yeah, yeah with Stoinis and I mean, whether, I mean, I think Agar's an excellent batter, but I reckon his strike rate in T20 cricket down the order hasn't quite been where they would have liked it for a number seven. He you know, cut muscle on like Sam's. No. No. Yeah. No. Sam's, Sam's is a really, really good batter. Um, yeah. And I think, I mean, it could even be the case where they're looking at someone like him at number six. Um, yeah. Because if, if uh, Marty, Marty Smith actually had a really good stat a little while ago about how Australia's number six on average is on average in T20 cricket faces about 10 balls. Yeah. So do you want Daniel Sams facing those 10 balls or do you want, um, you know, Alex Carey or, or Ashton Agar facing those 10 balls? It's um, yeah. So it's a really interesting one. And that's why they picked Pete Neville in 2016 because the keeper that low didn't face that many mm-hmm. deliveries. So they just picked the best gloveman. Uh, whereas now I think if you do lose a couple of top order wickets, you still need someone Banning at seven, eight, nine, who can clear the rope when they start to go 17, 18, 19 overs. Uh, yeah, everything comes into it. Fielding as well. That's another benefit. Ashton Ago is one of the best fielders in the world. So it all comes into, into the selection mix. And being in India, there's going to be a lot of spin. And I think Australia, I would say most teams, are struggling against spin at certain times in T20 cricket. The leg spin, the wrist spin has really... Um, found a niche in, in T20 cricket. Uh, every team kind of has one now. Uh, Ish Sodio did a fantastic job for New Zealand, a leading wicket taker in this series. was a little bit expensive, but if you can spin the ball big both ways, uh, and Adam Temper's got those subtle variations, um, and he does a really good job with it as well, uh, Australia going to be really tested. And I think when Dave Warner and Steve Smith come in to that side, 
automatically the team gets better at playing spin bowling. And this is where I, I can't for life me understand when people question Smith's place in the international T20 mm. team. I just I just can't understand why people would think it, especially for this World Cup. I mean, anywhere, but especially for the World Cup in India. He's out. I think he's Australia's best player of spin. Oh yeah, um, uh, you know Maxwell. Maxwell might have some something to say about that, but um, I, I think those two at three and four are, are great options. And Smith is just—he's just a lock in there for me. Um, he can get off strike, um, so he'll be key. As you said, Warner will be key. Uh, Finch is a good player of spin too, so I think that's got to be front of mind. Um, so you, there's no worries over that top four. I don't think it's probably more five, six, yeah, five and six in particular. You know, do we think Stoinis and Mitch Marsh or whoever they're considering for those spots, um, are they good players to spin to? And that, and that could, you know, bring in um, someone like Matthew Wade again. They might actually think, no, this guy can, you know, be the man for us down the order because I think, you know, he's, I don't know the, the exact numbers, but I reckon he's, he's pretty handy against spin. So these are the things they've got to consider. Yeah, and I reckon that's where Smith might float the order. If there's an early wicket against the new ball, maybe you put a Stoinis or, or a Marsh up the top of the order to face the new ball with the fast bowlers. And then if they do get a little bit rickety during the middle overs, then you, that's where Smith would be great just to sort of get them through to the back end and still have those power batters and deep ready to launch um, in the death overs. So it, uh, it's funny, T20 cricket, if you think about it, there's such a short amount of time, but there's so many tactics involved. Because mm. the game changes so quickly, you've got to be so flexible with your lineup. It's, uh, I think, coaching is really important in T20 cricket. It's, uh, it's underutilized. I don't know. It's really good that uh, in the competitions, Big Bash does it now. That uh, at the ten over mark, the coach can come out, have a chat to the players, and you know, share on, pass on some knowledge, and and have a real influence in the game like that. Yeah, and and on that, I found um, watching this New Zealand series um, just recently, I, I kind of got to the four over mark. I'm like, all right, great, the field's back out. Who are they going to bring on the bowl? It's like, oh, no, we've got another two overs of the power play. So that's really quite a footing. Yeah, so you watch every ball of domestic cricket, you know that. So. <laughs> I don't think I miss any of the big bash, Sam, that's for sure. Yeah, well, let's, let's wrap up this segment with uh, us naming our, our World Cup. 11 for Australia uh, this far out. I'll go first. I thought about getting funky with the top four because uh, I think Aaron Finch actually did a really good job the last time Australia toured New Zealand for a T20 tour and batting at number five uh, when Dave Warner was the captain. Obviously, you can't do that now. But uh, sticking firm with Finch, Warner, uh, Smith in the top three, Maxwell four, Marcus Stoinis at number five uh, for his bowling. I haven't seen Mitch Marsh bowl, so this far out. Mitch Marsh isn't bowling, but who knows what what happens and uh, he might have a really good IPL. Then I'm going with Alex Carey. That was tough uh, between Wade and Carey, but I, as we mentioned before, I think Carey's just got more experience batting down the order in white ball cricket, particularly international level. So I'm going with, with Alex Carey. Agar 7, Stark Cummins, Zampa, and then my third seamer is, is Kane Richardson. As I mentioned before, I think you need that that kind of slower fast bowler, if that makes sense, who has the change-ups. And uh, he's got such uh, a depth of experience bowling in the death overs. Uh, I think he bowls like one over in the power play now and then maybe one during the middle and then he saves two at the end. So it's uh, to, to go for only eight and over, I think his career record is actually pretty good for a guy that's uh, targeted pretty much every time he comes on the bowl. So uh, that's my 11. Uh, Lou, you making any changes? I've got almost the funny. I've got the exact same team. The only one I've kind of got Kane Richardson slash Meredith, 
just because I've been so impressed with with how he went. So maybe I'd I'd look at filling out a if you're filling out this squad. If I kind of agree with you on yeah. pretty much your entire eleven. So if we have Kane in, in that eleventh spot, I, I guess the the four. If you're picking a fifteen man squad, the four that I'd probably have next are Meredith. Toss up between Hazelwood and probably Jai Richardson. Yep. I'm taking Jai for his batting. Mm. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's one of those two. And he's played more T20 cricket, even though we know Hazelwood's such a great bowler. Yeah. I think Felipe is probably my spare batter because he can... I mean, that's a tough one to pick him over Wade, but I reckon he might just get the nod. I think he could bat down the order. He could take the gloves. So I think he offers you a... A little bit there. What about a Henriquez? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't mind it. I, I think I'd, I think I'd rather Felipe just for his versatility and yeah. you know batting in a few different spots and keeping. Um, I don't think we need any more seam bowling options because I think my next, my fifteenth guy would probably be Mitch Marsh. Yeah. Yep. No reserve yep. keeper. Oh, Felipe. Well, yeah. Felipe, yeah. I've got yeah. Felipe in there. I mean, the one that I, I, the one that I'm really kind of strong on is looking at that six, that six spot in terms of needing a, someone who can hit the ball from ball one. And that's where I, I really think it could be worth looking at a Dan Christian or a, or a Dan Sams like in that mould, just because I, I think you've got to look at someone who can, that can be the difference in a lot yeah. of games is, is those guys down that order. And I think it's really specialist. And I think with Carey and Storm, they're fantastic players. Don't get me wrong. And if you, if you, if you got 20 overs to bat, I, I'm taking Stoinis and Carey over, over those other guys every day of the week. But if I've only got 10 balls to bat, um, I, you know, I think it's more of a debate. So mm. I, I think it, it, it would be worth considering, selectors considering um, an out-of-the-box type um, for that role, but Ashton Turner. Ashton, Ashton Turner. Turner. Yeah, I, I thought he might have got to go in New Zealand. He played so well in that 2019 one day tour where he came out and just hit the ball from from ball one, smacked it all around the park. So, and he does it for Perth too. He's one of the, the few players that uh, isn't a top order specialist for their BBL team. He does yep, come in the middle order, and I guess that's Mitch Bowes does it to some degree as well. But the rest of them, you look at them all; they're all top order players, even like Carey and and Felipe. They're in the top order. Um, we've heard um, we've heard Justin Langer talk about the IPL being really important, you know, as a potential selection kind of thing. I, I reckon uh, I'm not going to harp on him, but I really think Christian, if he has, I think there's no doubts over his batting. I mean, his his numbers in this recent big bash, his strike rate was up near 180. Mm. Um, he just and he did it really consistently. So I think there's no question marks there. It's probably over whether his bowling is going to cut it at, at you know international World Cup level, and if he if he can have a good tournament, a good IPL with the ball, um, then that could go a long way to convincing selectors that you know, he might be worth a shot in, in whatever their games are before the World Cup. I think that's the bit he's got to prove. And he'd be a great squad member because he's a winner. He's got so much yeah. experience. He could bring all the trophies and silverware <laughs> and just wear them around Team Hotel just to give guys a, a morale boost. They don't mind telling people about him either. I'm sure they <laughs> wouldn't mind me saying that. 
Let's move on to the Sheffield Shield, Lou, the Mar Sheffield Shield, and we'll quickly go around the grounds for round six. I think we're into the Sheffield Shield, and uh, there was a rain, um, rain ruined uh, what was going to be a great run chase on day four of the MCG, Victoria and Tasmania sharing the points there. Pete Hanscom, again, in good form. Uh, and as we look at the scores now, WA are holding on just against Queensland up at the Gabba after the first three days were just dominated by the batters. And Cameron Graham, we're going to touch on him in a sec. And then at the Adelaide Oval, the Blues are, are needing 155 to win in what feels like about a session. So let's start the MCG. Lou, you, you were there for a couple of days of it. Uh, what stood out for you? Yeah, it was a cracking game. Probably the biggest thing that stood out was the pitch. I mean, mm. we've um, had heaps of um, so much talk, probably more than we need over the pitch at the MCG. But this was was really doing everything to the point where I think um, Chris Rogers, the Victorian coach, suggested it might have gone maybe too much in, in the favour of the bowlers. But um, gee, it made for exciting cricket. And, and the way Jake Doran batted on day three to, to get 98 against a really good Victorian attack was, um, I think, worth you know about 150 um, so that was that was really interesting. It was interesting to see Jackson Bird captain as a fast bowler um, for Tasmania after Tim Payne woke up ill on the first day. He had some interesting things to say about um, you know how whether Pat Cummins could do it in, in Test cricket. Um, Tell us now, what did he say? Yeah, I mean, he said there was no reason why he couldn't do it. Uh, just the, the only thing is durability. Like, um, just in terms of guys, you know, a fast bowler is more likely to miss tests, maybe needing to be rested at some stage. I mean, Pat Cummins has been, you know, pretty durable since he returned to the Aussie team in 2017, but there's always that, you know, extra kind of question mark over fast bowlers. So um, that was quite interesting. Um, but, yeah, just an, an all-around really, um, you know, really good game at the G and it was, it was just unfortunate that we didn't get a result. Um, it was the Melbourne weather this time, Sam, not um, not uh, the, the Sydney weather as we're, we're pretty used to the games getting ruined up there. Not ruined, just made more interesting. What about uh, Pete Hanscom? Sure, mate. Sure, mate. <laughs> How about Pete Hanscom? Jeez, he's in some good form at the moment. And Bucky was saying that he's, he made a bit of a technical switch mid-match and it seems to be working out well for him. Yeah, I think Pete kind of alluded to it after that really good 100 he got at Bankstown uh, two weeks ago, um, that he'd had a chat to Buck and um, made a change. And Buck was really good at explaining a little bit further in that um, he basically thought that his old the old style that he had and the new style um, had kind of been blended a little bit. And um, whatever he did, I'm no technical expert, but it was, it was really good to watch. I mean, he was driving down the... The thing that probably stood out was just, yeah, how he drove down the ground um, which might have been missing, I reckon, in his, you know, when he was last in the test team. I think there was all that talk about, you know, him not getting forward far enough and not being able to kind of access balls that are that are full against really fast bowling. So um, it was it was pretty good to to see that, albeit against, you know, Tasmania extremely skillful side, but they're not, you know, it's not um, absolutely rapid or, or anything like that. So it was uh, probably the the biggest um, biggest positive for Victoria out of that game. And they welcome back Aaron Finch and Glenn Maxwell after their Australian Jews. But will we actually see them play for the Vicks? Yeah, it's pretty un- it's kind of unclear. Like it's um, like it seems like it's hard for them to get into Queensland, which is where hmm. uh, Victoria are playing a Shield and a one day game after this. Um, and then kind of beyond that, basically Rogers kind of said that they're still talking to Maxwell about potentially playing some Shield cricket. They they got three games left. Um, 
they've obviously got the this Queensland game, which it sounds like him and Finch won't be able to play. Um, and then two, I believe, two more after that before a final. But the the issue with Maxwell is he's heading off to what we think is heading off to the IPL before the end of the season. We, we don't actually, you know, 100% concrete know that these guys would definitely do that. But I mean, it would be surprising if um, if these guys are giving up, uh, you know, to you know a, a share of their you know huge million dollar contracts. So um, you know to play Shield cricket. So. Um, that will be interesting. Finch is a little bit different in terms that he's kind of basically said that uh, I, he hasn't ruled out playing red ball cricket, but he kind of thinks he's not going to get back into the test team and he doesn't want to take a young Victorian spot. So they're, they're probably the, the where those two stand. So it's, it's really an interesting spot for the two of them because they just haven't played that much red ball cricket for Victoria at all in the last few seasons. And, and it's mostly not really their fault either. Yeah, blessing and a curse playing for Australia's Wapple teams. Uh, you get to play for Australia, but you're also deprived of opportunities playing uh, red ball domestic cricket. But I think if you ask any of those players, they'd always want to represent their country. So, um, yeah, it's sort of a, a blessing and a curse there. In Adelaide, uh, it looks like the Blues need 144 in the final session with eight wickets in hand. Um, that uh, this podcast will be over before that match finishes, but I don't know. I think the Blues might be able to get there. How about the form from Travis Head and Alex Carey? Jeez, Travis Head got dumped from the test team, but he's come back for the Redbacks and he's been hitting the ball exceptionally well. And uh, Alex Carey, who was going to South Africa, didn't get the chance to go after that tour was postponed. And yeah, and he got run out again today, which I think he's had a couple of issues with his running recently. He wasn't out um, today. It, it did look, he did look unfortunate to yeah. be, uh, it was really close. I'm not quite sure how the umpire could tell, maybe. I mean, he might have a better, well, he did have he a better He had the best view. Yeah, yeah it, it was so hard to tell on the on the slow motion. So um, Alex didn't look all that pleased with it. But yeah, speaking of technical changes, I mean, Travis Head, um, Langer explained something recently about how uh, Head was, was getting a little bit too, I think he said it was a little bit too side on. Um, and just opened him up a little bit and seems to have worked wonders. Um, the one I really like from the, the South Australia game is um, the debutante from Northcote Career Club, Joe uh, Medu Ewan. I think I've said that right. Um, a, basically a left arm wrist spinner who yep. moved over to Adelaide to play. He just wanted to play cricket um, because in, in Melbourne, it was obviously locked down and um, Premier Cricket got pushed back a couple of months. So, just gone over there, thought he'd roll the arm over and he's ended up doing really well and now he's in their shield side. So, um, and, and he's just got David Warner out. So, um, good for him. He's following in the footsteps of uh, our friend Peter, Peter Hotzeglu. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's a, a good place to go if you're a Victorian club leg spinner by the looks of it. We also saw uh, another spinner, Nathan Lyon, among the wickets again, backing up those 10 he took. Uh, earlier in the season against the Vicks, was it the Vicks at SCG? And uh, and he's now the competition leading wicket taker. So I had to do a bit of a double take because uh, I didn't actually expect a, a test player to play that many shield games, but he's uh, done very, very well uh, this series. And Mitch Stark, he's had a tough summer for lots of different reasons. He's coming back and he had that second year ball swinging, trapped a couple of those red backs, top order batters, LBW with the ball swinging back into their pegs. He's a different bowler when that ball's swinging, isn't he, Lou? 100%. And I think it's probably a good thing for him in this back end of the season. Obviously, he missed that game, um, you know, for bereavement leave. And, you know, obviously, thoughts out to, to Mitch and the Starks family. That's, you yeah. know, a really, really tough thing to, 
to deal with. But um, yeah, just just the, the volume of bowling for him, I think, is important. He probably finished off the Test summer, um, not really how he would have liked, and you know, it's probably has a bit of a point to prove. So um, yeah, it's it's so good to see him swing the ball, and I think that's yeah, that's key for him. So you know, long may it continue, and hopefully he can you know come back next summer, um, you know, doing that. And David Warner returned uh, for the Blues, got a half century in the one-day cup game, got a 50 in the second innings, 69 for uh, for the Blues in their run chase. And from all reports, he doesn't look like he's too hampered from that groin injury, which is great news for Australia and for New South Wales and I guess for Hyderabad in the IPL. Yep, yep. And uh, yeah, I mean, just good to see him playing shield cricket. We don't really see much of it with him. Um and yeah, I, he's another one. It'll be a shame that he'll probably leave before the end of the season for for the IPL. So, got to enjoy it while it lasts. We're going to save the best to last. Up there at the Gabba, Cameron Green has just gone to another level. He had a, uh, a magnificent summer for Australia, making one day and test of booze. Had a fantastic innings at the SCG. He's come back after the BBL break. Just destroyed a club side for two hundred. He's got a hunt, maiden one day hundred for the. Western Australians, and then in this game, you've got 251 and then 30-odd in the second innings. And I reckon three or four occasions he hit three boundaries in and over. He's just got such a presence. I mean, for a guy that stands two metres at the crease, uh, that's not hard to do. But at some time, at times, it just looks, looks like it's impossible to bowl to him because he's got every shot. And even in that one-day innings, he was doing those laps and, geez, he's already an exciting talent. But at 21... Just, uh, just amazing. Are we already taking it for granted a little bit? Like we're just kind of yeah. sleepwalking a little bit through, you know, what what might be the best season by a, a twenty-one-year-old since, um, you know, since Ricky Ponting. Oh, I'm yeah. not sure. It's 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 incredible what he's doing. And when you kind of put that with what Pekoski did earlier in the season, and we we're all losing our minds over a couple of double hundreds in a row. Um, and, you know, rightly so. It was um, yeah. it was bloody good, but. You know, we've kind of been crying out for, for young batters to, to really dominate the shield for a little while. And now we've got two in a season. And one of them is also um, enormous and bowls fast as well. Like, it's it bodes pretty well. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just I can't wait to see Cameron Green's kind of unf- – Cameron Green's career, sorry, just unfold. The next thing for him is to start taking wickets again. He only bowled eight overs in Queensland's innings of nine declared for 600. Sorry, he bowled 12 overs, 12 out of 180. Uh, so I guess it looks like he's still on restrictions there. But once he gets that back up and running, remember he made his debut as a fast bowler. And now mm. this guy is making double hundreds. It's just remarkable. Maybe we need to, maybe that's the, the bit is we need to temper our expectations a bit with the ball. Like it's yeah. so hard because we know that he is bloody good with the ball. But maybe if you're batting at six or, you know, maybe even higher for the test team in years to come and and you are, if we do expect him to be putting together 343 ball innings, it's going to be really hard for him to kind of back up with the ball. Like, um, so maybe we need to taper our expectations in terms of um, in terms of him as well. His, his fielding also kind of got me during the, during the summer thing. I mean, Gully and taking a couple of really good catches, um, was another bit that I didn't really know he had in his game too. So um, can he wicket keep, do you reckon? It's a long way to get down for the big fella. It'd be a long way, yeah. It'd be a long way. So that might be the missing piece. But yeah, what, what a talent. 
I might revise my uh, T20 team and put Cameron Green in there with the gloves, <laughs> and I'll get I'll give someone else the gloves so he can so he can bowl his four overs. Maybe Dave Warner he's done it in an international game before. He can keep four overs, and then Green keeps for sixteen and bowls four and bats three. Easy. Sure. Yep. Yep. You're right though about uh, tempering those expectations because an an elite all rounder at Test level. Average is 35 with the ball, right? Like that's that's really good. They bat them at six and they can get wickets and contribute with runs. I mean, that's what what I did. That's what um, that's what Andrew Flintoff did. That's uh, I mean, Jack Callis is kind of an outlier, right? 50 with the bat and low 30s with the ball. But uh, I just feel like he's a better player than 35 and 35. You're thinking he's like a 45, 28 kind of guy, which is just extraordinary. Well, I mean, and that's that's the really interesting thing is we don't I feel like we almost don't know how to handle them like with and you know giving you know a batter a pass mark over their career like you're kind of looking for over forty to be a really good test batter, um, but you know I kind of felt like we got to the end of Shane Watson's career and the public had kind of written him off as you know having fallen short of expectations when in reality as you said his numbers are, are fantastic like. Yeah. The, um, I think it was early 30s with the ball and, you know, maybe high 30s with the bat. Um, you know, what more do you kind of want from a guy who also opened the batting for a fair, fair bit of his career? So, yeah, I mean, what what's the minimum minimum we'd accept from Green at the end of it all? I think it's just kind of um, this guy let him kind of discover what what the balance is for him in terms of how many overs he can bowl and um, and things like that. I think we can't push him too hard. No, no. All right. Well, it's a short and Sheffield Shield season, but uh, we're almost there at the end of it, actually, not far away now. Who's going to play in the final? Yeah, I think Queen's like, yeah, it's probably an easy one to say um, that Queensland are the favourites given they're on top and um, it's looking pretty unlikely they're going to be, they're not going to be beaten in this game against WA. So, um, and if you're hosting the final, it's um, it's pretty hard to, to knock them off. It doesn't really happen all that often. So, um, they're my favourites. You throw a blanket over probably, I mean, Victoria not getting that win over Tasmania this week for the, with the rain is a massive dent in, I think could be a really dent, a big dent in their hopes of making the final. They've got away trips to Queensland and WA coming up, I believe. So that's going to be difficult for them. Um, and I guess the, the one, WA, um, you know, they, they probably... Looking from afar, you'd probably question why they maybe didn't push a little harder for victory in this this Gabba game. I know it's difficult, um, you know, to declare early or declare only on 400 in that first innings, but they really need the wins because they've had four draws this season um, and they're going to need to, to rack up a couple wins before if they want to make the Shield final. And the Blues will just be about whether they can, um, I guess, recover from losing um, probably Moses on Reeks. Steve Smith, uh, Pat Cummins, uh, Josh Hazelwood's going to the IPL yep. as well. Dave Warner. Dave Warner. It could make, I mean, Stark and Lyon will, will still be there. Um, so, you know, I'll still have those two. Uh, it would just be, yeah, how they kind of recover from losing all those guys if they do make a final or, or if they do lose them for their last shield game. So they're the contenders. I've said everyone there, haven't I? Uh, didn't mention Tazzy. Left out the red backs yeah, too. I think, yeah, I think Tazzy's going to struggle to to make it in South Australia are out of the hunt too. So, um, yeah, I'd go with Queensland, New South Wales final, and I think Victoria um, 
uh, yeah, I think Victoria might just get be costed by this that rain um, loss or that rain draw against Tasmania. Right. Thank you, Lee. You've heard it here first. Uh, thanks for coming on, mate, and we'll chat again soon. No problem, Sam. Any time, my friend. All right. That's it for this week's episode of the Unplayable Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We will be back next week. But until then, for your breaking news, live scores and video highlights, plus the live stream of the Marsh of the Shield, Marsh Monday Cup and WNCL, head to cricket.com.au and the CA Live app. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.